2: This episode is sponsored by Minima.Global and Circle. You're listening to The Hash Headlines on the Coindesk Podcast Network. Get caught up on this week's top stories from The Hash Crew. And just a reminder, Coindesk is a news source and does not provide investment advice.
3: Monday's top story. Twitter has been interesting ongoing. So as we know, it was acquired by Elon Musk, and it seems that big changes are coming. So the company plans to let go of 25% of its workforce in a first round of layoffs, according to a source and reported by The Washington Post. Further, the social media company is planning to charge $20 a month for verification That's according to The Verge. If employees building it don't meet the deadlines, they too will reportedly be fired. And in separate but related crypto news, Dogecoin, the crypto which Elon has been so vocal over, has increased 150% since Tuesday, becoming the sixth largest crypto in The world so a lot going on here with elon's takeover of twitter wendy i'm going to pass this one off to you to get started what do you make of all of these layoffs
1: so first and foremost corporate america is completely flawed in a lot of different aspects i worked a corporate job (laughs) while i worked for a corporation for a long time and it was an absolute mess you have all these people that are higher-ups that are telling all the lower down people what they need to do. But the higher up people have no idea how customer service works, or they have no idea how the actual people below them do their jobs. And I've been reading a lot of different things about Twitter structure. And from what I've gathered, it sounds like there is a lot of people in management and less people that are actually able to do coding or to do the dev work and make sure the platform is working properly. So I think that it's good to restructure. Again, Twitter is a business. I'm going to repeat this again. Twitter is a business. Elon Musk is a very smart businessman, hence why he was able to purchase Twitter for approximately $44 billion. He is going to do whatever it takes to make the platform generate revenue. As far as the whole free speech goes, as far as you know him being for the underdogs, again, you guys, he's a businessman. I think that there will be better changes made to the platform. I personally don't mind to pay that $20 fee to remain verified in hopes that it will actually help with the bots some way, shape, or form. I don't know how that's going to work out. I'm excited about it. But again, Elon is not necessarily our friend, guys. He's a businessman, and we are simply a guest on his platform. As far as Dogecoin goes, I'm excited about it. Um, We did pretty well (laughs) on that trade, and I'm just excited. But make sure you guys take profit, not financial advice. (laughs) (laughs) Take your profit, make a moon bag. And again, full disclosure: I do hold a moon bag of Dogecoin and trading this right now. I want to toss this over to Will for his take because it might be cynical. Not sure how he's feeling yet today.
4: Oh, cynical! I don't know if it's cynical or not. I think this is just Twitter coming back to reality. If you look back over the last year, we've seen a lot of layoffs in tech. Twitter has not had any layoffs, and why? Because there was a really nice purchase tag for them waiting for a few months. So they didn't need to do anything, right? The the Twitter stock actually stayed up really high while everything else went and tanked. We've been talking about meta for the last two or three weeks because their numbers have just been clocking down. Last week, they were down over 20% in the week. Amazon as well. Twitter has not had that because there's been this price tag floating around for them from Elon Musk and a lot of other additional capital that has been willing to pay. Now that that's been closed, Twitter has to make some moves. They're going to lay off people. That makes sense if you're looking at the broader tech space. And then Elon's also promised that in one way or the other. He wants Twitter to change. He wants a different platform. He wants a different user experience. That means that you're going to have to change who works there. It's unfortunate that the layoffs happen so quickly going into the holiday season, but it's not necessarily shocking when you look at how many tech layoffs there has been over the last nine plus months and Elon taking over. As for the Dogecoin news, it's actually it makes sense that it's occurring, but he hasn't tweeted yet. That has been like the strange thing. I've been waiting for Elon To tweet something about dogecoin it has not pumped yet it's kind of like an echo from 2021 coming back around and reverberating right into the dogecoin price ben i want to throw this one up to you though i think you might be the one with the cynical take on the elon musk (laughs) takeover today so i want to hand it right up to you
5: well i don't disagree with what you said already and i agree this is a business and we shouldn't be surprised about layoffs because they're happening everywhere i'm cynical in the sense that i think this is signaling from the new management to say that this is a new broom coming in and we want to make changes and this is a kind of very uh, headline-orientated way to to make those changes. I also think if Elon is true to his word and he wants more free speech and less content moderation then maybe you can lose some people doing that, maybe you don't need all these people to be uh, moderating the speech on the platform. So maybe in the long term the model will lead to a less kind of people-orientated business model. Oh, go ahead, Jen. Go ahead, Jen. No, we'll
3: agree and then I'll take I'll take it after you.
4: <laughs> you're all your Canadian always comes out. You're always so agreeable and just hand it right over to me. Let's talk <laughs> about some of the tweets and headlines that popped out over the weekend. Uh there was reportedly an increase in the use of like aggressive words and just write out racial slurs over the weekend. There's reported on a few different platforms. LeBron James tweeted about it, including a few others. And then Elon Musk and some of the Twitter safety team also reported on it as well, saying that they have not changed any of the content moderation strategies as of yet. That being said, it is interesting and notable that this all happened at the same time. It's also deeply frustrating. Uh, I'm interested to see what the content moderation policies are like coming out of Elon's takeover. He did say in a tweet last week that they're going to form a committee for any sort of content moderation. I'm wondering what that committee looks like. A lot of committees don't get things done. And Twitter is a big place with a lot of nasty people and a lot of nasty things to be said. So I don't know if they're going to be able to tackle this as well as they might think they might be able to. Jen, I'll throw it up to you.
3: Yeah, just on the back of what you were saying, it will be interesting. It's almost going to be like a social experiment before our eyes to see how how Twitter deals with their moderators. I am a big fan and supporter of content moderation. I think there are a lot of people out there with nothing nice, nothing good to say. And I don't think that they should be allowed to say some things that are said and I'm sure some of you will disagree with me. Did want to bring up the last point here about Doge. If you remember those text messages that were released a few weeks ago, Elon talked about Doge possibly being used for in-app payments on Twitter. So again, to tackle some of those bots and content moderation issues on Twitter, he said, you know, what if we charged people to tweet? What if we charged people To interact with tweets a small fee and maybe doge could be the payment system we use so that could be really interesting super bullish news for for doge there i don't know wendy i'm going to give you the last word on this story would you pay to use twitter would you pay to tweet would you pay to interact with other people's tweets
1: yeah i think if we are able to earn revenue by tweeting and get tips or however it is, vice versa, I don't mind paying to use the platform. I don't make money, any money on Twitter just so I kind of have an Internet presence. But at the same time, like there is a really big problem with bots, a really, really big problem. There's also a problem with people spewing nasty hate stuff, which I don't mind operating in true decentralized economy. And the reason why is you can see exactly who is doing what and you can just block them from your network, just as long as they don't remove the block button. <laughs> I'm fine with that.
2: So here's a big question. What's the most important thing about crypto? It's not transactions per second. It's not convenience. And it's not even smart contracts. It's decentralization to achieve censorship resistance so we can all be free. Minima is a new layer one blockchain designed to run in full on a smartphone so that anyone can participate in building Minima's decentralized network as an equal. Join over 300,000 Minima node runners on the incentive program today to start earning Minima every day until mainnet launch. Get started at Minima.global. This episode is brought to you by Circle, the sole issuer of USDC and a leader in crypto that's held to a higher standard. USDC is a fast, safe and efficient way to send money around the globe. tuesday's top story
0: so today we kick things off with a whole lot of hope and change or at least with traders hoping for change from u.s central bank which has so far raised its core interest rates at the fastest pace since the 1980s so far this year we've seen the federal reserve raise rates a whopping three percent which might not sound like much but considering we kicked off the year with that important number at less than one quarter of one percentage point that means so far in 2022 the rate is up 11 times from where we started And it's expected to continue rising, with mainstream economists expecting the rate to top out next year at nearly 5%. So if the official story is true, then we're more than halfway into a historically painful period for risk assets across the spectrum, including Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. But can the Federal Reserve be trusted to follow through? That's the big question on traders' minds right now. And as we move into the midterm elections, we've seen big bank analysts and central bank whispers, so-called, suggesting things might be less bad than expected which seems to have kicked off some gains in risk assets battered after what has been a very challenging trading year. The question is, of course, will the optimism last? And is it grounded in anything real? Or is it just wishful thinking? Wendy, I'll kick this one over to you first. What do you think?
1: <laughs> Since we just had a conversation about money right before we went live, Also, happy to be here. Shout out to everybody watching. Happy Taco Tuesday. Please support your local small taco shops. And, 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 let's get into this. So, Do I trust what's happening with the Federal Reserve, what's happening with money, what's happening with interest rates? I don't trust at all. I don't trust people that pay $150,000 for a piece of paper to tell me what to do with my money. I can manage my household just fine. But that being said, there is opportunities for retail traders and crypto traders to make some small gains while this happens. However, I do think that we will eventually have some sort of collapse, not necessarily saying that we're going to see exactly what we saw in 2008. It is election season. People do need to keep up appearances during these times, but things are scary. Things are scary. I do appreciate all these reports from the people with the $150,000 pieces of paper. But at the same time, I do like to take a step back and look at what's actually happening in inner city neighborhoods. Look what's happening in my local community. Last night was Halloween in my neighborhood and there was barely any kids out or, or adults out or people out. I went out this weekend in LA for a Halloween celebration. There was no one out there. That seems to tell me that a lot of people are staying home. They're not spending. They can't afford gas. They can't afford to buy candy. They can't afford costumes, all of those things. I know that might not matter to some of those people with those big brains, but to me, it does. If I'm not seeing retail, if I'm not seeing average consumers spend money or put money out into the economy, it tells me that we are in big, 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 big trouble. However, again, you can definitely go ahead and capitalize on these short-term gains. So for the people that are actively trading, but for people and average citizens in the United States, that's not really looking good for us way, anyway, shape or form. Will, your thoughts?
4: Yeah, I'll pick it up from here. There's a great quote in this article. I think summarizes everything really well. This is from a Bank of America strategist and included in the CoinDesk article that we're referencing here. It says the Fed isn't done hiking until the data says so. Core CPI is at cycle highs. U3 unemployment is at cycle lows. Corporate tells us their top of cha- challenge is hiring. China and the US are decoupling. Capital expenditure is rising. Food and energy are increasingly scarce. Inflationary pressures seem broad based and increasingly entrenched short term survey inflation expectations have risen the feds job is not done yet and i think that summarizes all the challenges that the fed is working through right now we, we have these very weird things where inflation is still very high but people are not quitting their jobs people are actually hiring still a lot of people do not expect that and the fed has to balance those two things right they want actually want to drop number of people in jobs right now with expectation that inflation would lower because of that and their key thing to like take on is inflation. We're still at 8% plus inflation year over year. And they can't have a working central bank with that kind of inflation number. So that's what they're up against. And these numbers are not great. Onto the risk assets, like you talked about there, Adam, a second ago. Last month was interesting. Bitcoin was up 5%, Ethereum up 17% for the month. And we'll get to Dogecoin in the next story, also up month over month. Weird to see those pump. But also at the same time, we, we're seeing like the Fed sort of pivot a little bit, which is giving traders and other people in capital markets uh, a little bit less concern, right? So they are talking about moving all the way to 5% interest rates. Well, they might back off a little bit. Now expectations are 4.8%. And that might not seem like a lot, only a 0.2% difference. But it actually sort of is. It sort of says, hey, there's some changes coming to the Fed's perspective. We might go under that target rate of 5% everyone's been talking about." And the next challenges will be does the Fed continue to raise? And if it does continue to raise, is there going to be a point where they stick the landing and just stay pat? And once you sort of have a good interest rate, then everyone can work with that, right? Over the last six, nine months, the most challenging part for every business has been the cost of borrowing money has been going up every single month. And it's very hard to plan with that, right? I'm going to the bank one month and they're saying 5% interest. The next month they say 10% interest. How do I make a good business decision? So if the Fed can stick this landing, then I think we'll see a better landscape for assets out there, including Bitcoin. Or at least that's the hope, and I think that's why we're seeing a lot of that being priced into the market. Adam, I'll hand it over to you for final thoughts. So, yeah. So I think that again, like what you
0: just uh, what you just said there is a really good summary of kind of what the the mainline narrative is right now around all of this stuff. I think the reality is a little bit more complicated. First off, when it comes to central banks, this is effectively a confidence game, right? So it doesn't really matter where the rates are as far as what the central bank is trying to achieve. What they really want is they want people to stop taking gigantic risks, which they very much have incentivized over the last dozen years for them to take. They have basically made it the only sane trading strategy. And now they're trying to unwind that because the consequences of that, along with propping up markets, effectively putting their, their thumb on the scale and trying to make it so that markets are up only, which they succeeded at for quite some time, has now caused the overproduction of money which has now led to all of these different inflation problems. The biggest problem with inflation is actually around expectations, right? It's not what are prices doing today, it's what do people think prices will do tomorrow. The other thing is is that the inflation rate is again tied to the kind of jobless rate and again all of these numbers are so totally massaged. I won't even get into that right now. But the challenge uh, so I read an article the other day talking about how talking about how although unemployment is quite low, productivity has shrunk by more than really any time over the last 20 years over the course of the last year, which means that people are showing up for work, but they're not actually doing stuff that is productive. That's a big problem because a lot of these things really require, again, for inflation to kind of for new money going into a system to be useful, the productivity has to rise in accord with that. And we're seeing kind of the opposite against all of these things. So it's a very complicated situation. But the one thing that we know is that these people actually don't know what they're doing. They're making it up as they go along. They're not good at their jobs. And unfortunately for all of us, that has become increasingly unignorable in a world that is just awash with bad decisions at the highest levels of leadership. Wendy?
1: I kind of just want to close this off and talk about when you said the word productivity. When we're talking about that, we also have to, because I, I have a healthcare background. I worked in infectious disease, HIV AIDS for seven years before I did the crypto stuff. We need to take a look at what just happened the last two years. We're in this big panorama. A lot of people's morale or morale was absolutely destroyed. It had a really big impact on our kids. It had a big impact on society. People are not human beings are not meant to be confined to an area. And we see this with people that have been that have done a long time in prison or they've been captured. or They've been when, when they've you know, become free, they have a hard time kind of adapting back into society. So I think that's something important to note is that the American people or people that are going back in the workforce are not having an easy time segueing back in. I don't have the statistics with me, but I think that's something that does need to be accounted for in productivity because Americans are just not able to produce the way that they were prior to the panorama. And I just wanted... I felt that that was important to to give to the conversation.
2: Wednesday's top story.
4: And now we have our first set of stories for the fall for some technology layoffs hitting the crypto sector. DCG, the parent company of Coindesk, laid off approximately 12% of its staff or 13% of its staff rather yesterday, cutting down about 10 jobs. And then we've also found out that BitMEX has cut off reportedly 30% of jobs. That number is still being accurately defined at this point. And then Mike Novogratz's Galaxy Digital laid off about 20% of its staff yesterday as well. What we're seeing here is just kind of following the general tech sector, right? There's been a boom, and now there's a bust. We're going to see like a little bloodletting on the streets, which is unfortunate, but it is typically how these cycles go. We see the peak, or we have trough, and then people lose their jobs in between. Now it's building season. Adam, I want throw this one over to you. I wouldn't say this is necessarily unexpected. All the companies we just listed there are larger. They typically grow a lot during the bull cycle, and they have to downscale during the bear cycle. Just because they hire too much, they have too much inbound activity during the bull market, and now that activity is no longer there, but over to you,
0: yeah, I mean, I think that you've kind of nailed it right there. It's kind of a moment to reflect for these companies, right, where they are like, all right, well, who's actually important, who's actually the people who you know we really need to do our core business, and who did we perhaps overhire because we thought that things might be better for longer, which was a right decision at that point, but today obviously is something that they've now changed their mind on. You know, it's not fun to be in a position where you are the one who's getting cut, but just that's the reality of kind of these cycles. And it's also worth noting that most of the companies that you mentioned there, if not all of them, uh, you know, really are kind of on the investment side of things, right? So they're like they're managing investments, like a lot of these players are making fewer investments and they're, you know, again, looking at these things very, very critically because the market doesn't really support the high valuations that they might have paid for stuff, you know, a year or two years ago at this point. So I think that, again, it's it's sad for people who are you know affected by this. They'll probably be fine, and we wish them the best of luck. But Wendy, what do you think?
1: I don't like layoffs at all. any way, shape, or form, it bothers me. But at the same time, these big companies are running a business, so I understand that they have to do layoffs in order to stay afloat. One thing I do think is interesting is that we are seeing a lot of this happening in tech, and we're also seeing this happen across the board in America. I know in America, everybody's like, okay, jobs are increasing, there's jobs, people are going back to work, et cetera. I personally don't believe those numbers. I don't necessarily like statistical data too much because there's a whole lot of outliers. There's a lot of data that they don't include that are very, very important. So it's interesting to see that this kind of segues with what's happening in the economy in the US. I'm not sure if this is partially because, well, it sounds like it's partially due to bear market. It's also partially due to Three Arrows Capital, the collapse of Terra Luna. That's my personal opinion. And I also think it's due to just the recession happening in the United States. People are not are having to fork out extra cash to be able to pay for real estate, to pay for their bills, to be able to pay for food, etc. And that impacts these large companies well, even if they are in the investing area or if they're in crypto, maybe even if they're not operating in the US, because right now the US dollar is still queen. However, that might not be the case in the coming years.
4: Yeah, so we have three headlines here, but I think we actually have two stories. DCG and uh, Galaxy Digital, very large firms, just like you said, Adam, and they're on the financial side of things, financial management, trading, that sort of thing. It's, it makes sense that they did lay off some of their staff because they're so large. They have to handle so many inbound requests. They have to manage all these accounts, and they're trying to sort of set themselves up to be these you know, hedge funds for crypto. The one outlier, I would say here, that's the other story, is bitmex bitmex has been a legacy exchange within crypto notably for its derivatives products and in 2019 2020 they faced a lot of headwinds with arthur hayes stepping down as his role as ceo he's the founder of bitmex and he was then later fined by the u.s treasury for uh breaking the bank secrecy act and he had to serve at least like a 12-month moratorium and i think pay a pretty hefty fine on top of that bitmex had to do some soul searching afterwards they hired a new ceo they tried to offer new products, including spot trading on their exchange. And frankly, it just never took off. What people went to BitMEX for was for that derivatives product. They wanted that, that, frankly, a bleeding edge product that no one else on the market could offer. They didn't really want another Coinbase. They didn't just want to spot trade tokens. So we saw a lot of the liquidity on BitMEX dry up. And now we know that that CEO who stepped in after Arthur Hayes stepped down, is out the door. And this restructuring for BitMEX comes in the wake of that. We still don't know the extent of uh, the layoffs at BitMEX. But what we do know is that BitMEX has a little work ahead of it to get itself back into the pack with the top 10 exchanges out there. If it wants to be back in, it really needs to focus on this derivatives product. and That looks like what they're going to do. But Adam, I want to get your take on this. BitMEX has played such a pivotal role within crypto over the last 10 years. I would be keen to get some of your thoughts. Yeah. I mean, I think that you've nailed it right there,
0: which is that BitMEX was and perhaps still is in many ways, largely because of kind of Arthur Hayes's kind of thought leadership role, which he really does carry forward with his blog, even though he's no longer formally associated in the way that he once was with the exchange. Um, you know, but if you look at kind of the history of exchanges in the world of cryptocurrency, you know, they tend to have their moment in the sun and then that tends to, tends to go away, right? You can go back through kind of the history and it's really coin, you know, companies like Coinbase companies like Bitfinex, to a certain extent, they're outliers. They're ones that have survived all of the incredible attrition that falls on companies uh, just who are operating in this space, especially, you know, in in places where the rules aren't well defined. And that's a really uncomfortable place to be. So I mean, like Bitfinex on the one side, you know, just stays out of the United States, but it still has problems with the United States. Coinbase on the other side deals with the rules of the United States. And that's really helped uh, hurt its growth um you know in ways that have allowed uh you know more recent upstarts like uh like Binance to kind of overtake it uh Bitmex their big problem was both the legal side of things and then in my opinion the reduction of the uh of the leverage that they were offering because there were there was a long time where people would go there for 100x leverage effectively and i'm not an expert on any, on any of this stuff as far as Bitmex i've never actually traded on it but that was kind of what they were notorious for for a very long time and that level of leverage means that they really did move markets. So they were important because you could really amplify kind of what it was that you were able to bring with the money that you actually had in your pocket. Uh, there's more to say here, but Wendy, I'll kick it to you.
1: I kind of want to close out. Like, if you weren't liquidated on BitMEX, do you even crypto at all? <laughs> but but one of the all jokes aside, please don't use high leverage. Please don't use leverage unless you know exactly what you're doing and you've back tested, etc. Um, but anyways, I do think it, it is interesting that BitMEX stayed with this whole leverage product for so long. And there was brand new exchanges that came in, I believe like 2017, 2018, like Binance that just said, okay, these are great products, but we want to look, we want to be um kind of in combination with like a Coinbase and a BitMEX. And they started offering all of these really, really great products. And whoever was marketing or doing product development was just able to hone in on the market and create something that encompassed everything. So it's no wonder why people were leaving BitMEX to utilize Binance or any other of these platforms. So I think it's interesting. And it's also important to know your user base and to know your customers. If you don't have good customer service and you're not paying attention, you probably will not survive much longer.
4: Well, we'll wrap that story up. We wish the best to everyone who had that unfortunate news this morning.
1: Thursday's
2: Top Story
4: I got the first story. We are talking about more layoffs, just like yesterday. Not a happy way to start off our Thursday, but nonetheless, the talk of the town right now. Stripe has laid off about 1,000 employees after downgrading its future outlook, saying that, hey, maybe this internet business is a little bit slower than we thought it was going to be. This falls on reporting from Bloomberg that Twitter is also slashing about 50% of its workforce as on reporting from Bloomberg. Nothing yet from Twitter on the story. And then lastly, for Dapper Labs, also laying off about 22% of its workforce, saying that crypto winter is here. So a lot of layoffs to start off Thursday, guys. Not great news. Ben, I want to throw this one over to you. We talked about it, yes, earlier on the show this week. Sort of just the scene for tech right now. We're going into recession, possibly, or at least a slowdown in tech. So it makes sense to have some sort of layoffs. But curious to get your thoughts on these three organizations shedding some workers.
5: Definitely. I mean, there's uh, a general sentiment going around, but I think there's slightly different stories going on here. I mean, Twitter is obviously linked to the massive acquisition price, and uh, Elon Musk is looking to cut costs, it seems. Getting rid of half of the uh, workforce is is a good way to do that, I I guess, even though terrible for the employees, obviously. Uh, With with Dapper Labs, that's more linked to an NFT mania ending. I mean, it's interesting to compare the sales volume of NBA. Uh, top shot, which was uh, kind of a the big mainstream moment for NFTs back in uh, uh, last year in 2021. At the height of that boom in, in, 20, in, in, uh, in February, they were seeing vol- volumes over $200 million per month. And now that volume is, uh, is less than $3 million this month so, or last month. So you can really see uh, you know, the mania cratering out. And I think that's the reason behind this layoffs uh, or spate of layoffs in, in, that, in that case.
6: Yeah, I think the point about the differences between these different moves is important. Um, and, and also just to put it in larger context, you know, we, we have been waiting for a recession and we're seeing these layoffs in tech, but the layoffs in tech are pretty specific and don't necessarily feed into the larger recession narrative, which just honestly hasn't emerged. We don't have a, uh, a jobs report that is showing wide losses. These are very specific to tech. Twitter in particular just doesn't fit into anything. It's all about Elon paying too much for the company, and, and so uh, and exactly. Dapper, yeah, it's cyclical. So you know, it's it's tempting to put these things into a bigger narrative, but I'm not really sure there is one. I mean, this is very tech specific. I will say Stripe cutting jobs in particular is scary. Stripe is a very widespread payments infrastructure company, and you know, we we would have to dig into the numbers more, but um, it's very interesting to see them cut because they don't, they're not, you know, they're not selling NFTs, they're selling point of sale. And so uh, that's, that's a totally different story. And that one is a little bit worrying, but tech layoffs, we're strange animals over here. We're not even necessarily part of everything else that's going on.
4: Definitely. I would completely one agree little with note that. of pushback I might throw it back at you, David, if I can, is Facebook and a lot of these other larger tech companies that are specifically focused on social media did have a lot of layoffs at the beginning of the year, right? There's been layoffs in a few different sectors within social media. And so to my mind's eye, I don't think that happened in Twitter because there was like this price for Twitter that was floating over their head for the last six months. They knew how much they're going to be bought for. Why would the Twitter management at that point start laying people off? just going to let the the new guard come in and, and sweep everyone out. And I think there was going to be some sort of layoffs for Twitter at some point, just because it's happening all across tech. So that would be like my only slight note of pushback. But I definitely agree that, you know, there's, it's tech, it's a little bit separate from the rest of the ecosystem. And then even within that, you have different buckets, right? Crypto is very different from Stripe, but we're all sort of sailing in the, in the same sea together.
2: You've been listening to The Hash Headlines on the CoinDesk Podcast Network.